0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 197 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, stock market indexes, and specifically uh, the three big ones. We're going to specifically talk about the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, and And the NASDAQ. And what I want you to understand specifically uh, is how they are determined, what kinds of companies make them up, and then how you can invest in them if you are at all interested. So I think this can be very informative to you uh, as far as market indexes go and really give you a better idea of how exactly market indexes work. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, and be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out on these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that's specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work With Dylan tab, and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you, and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So every day, if you watch the news at all, uh, you know in the bottom right hand corner bottom left hand corner wherever it is wherever that stations icon is right whether it's CNN or Fox or uh, MSNBC or whatever it may be right you'll typically see their icon and then below it what what time uh, it is and then it may say you know Eastern Time Central Time Pacific whatever right and then a lot of times what that little ticker will do is it will show you what the stock market has done for that day. So it may uh, say something like Dow up 123, right? So it'll have an upward arrow and 123 or S and P 500 down 0.23% uh, or something of the like. And all that those news stations are doing is reporting to you what those market indexes have done that particular day. And these market indexes are what we are going to really nail down on today. And the reason that I want to nail down on them is because they are so widely used as benchmarks for uh, the entire stock market uh, and sometimes the economy as a whole when that's not absolutely necessary and it's not correct in many cases. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, they are heavily quoted. They've been quoted for a long, long, long time. Uh, And I think it's really, really important to understand what they are and not just see them and think, oh, stock market, whatever, right? You need to understand exactly what these are and then understand if investing in them can actually help you because this week is about uh, investing in index funds. It's about index funds as a whole, right? And each of these different market indexes has a way that you can invest in them. And those particular funds are index funds. Those funds... Uh, They just track the performance of a particular index, and in particular today, we are going to be talking about the Dow Jones, the S&P, and uh, the NASDAQ index, okay? And so let's just begin here uh, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. This is uh, probably one of the most widely stated, even though it is not the most indicative of the stock market as a whole in the United States. So the Dow Jones uh, is also known as the Dow 30 because it is a compilation of uh, 30 large publicly traded companies in the United States at any given time. And these are considered blue chip companies. These are considered large, very well known, very profitable, very um, historically good companies, right? And they are held within this Dow Jones average. Now the Dow Jones is named after Charles Dow, who created the index in 1896 with his business partner, Edward Jones. And uh, we all know who uh, Edward Jones is, not specifically who the person is, but we've heard of Edward Jones because of the investment company, Edward Jones, right? Uh, So the Dow Jones was created by Dow and Jones, hence the name, and it is typically denoted by DJIA, right? And that stands for Dow Jones Industrial Average, okay? It is the second oldest U.S. market index. Uh, The first was the Dow Jones Transportation Average, and uh, the Dow Jones Transports, as they call it, is still around, and uh, it's just not quite as relevant or not quite as um, quoted as it was in the past. And the DJIA, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, was designed to serve as a proxy for the health of the broader U.S. economy. Now let's just talk real quick, uh, before we get into each of these specific Um, indexes and how they try to proxy for uh, the nation as a whole, let me just tell you that an index doesn't necessarily tell you how the economy is doing. Now, the index will tell you how publicly traded companies are doing and specifically how the types of publicly traded companies that are held within that index are doing. But that does not mean that the broader economy is doing as well as the index is. I'll give you a perfect example. Last year, uh, when the market fell by over 30%, right? Uh, that was indicative of uh, the pandemic coming upon the United States, right? But very quickly, the market dug its way out of that hole and got back to some very, very nice gains for the year of 2020. And the year of 2020, you would expect that type of year to have anything but gains in the first place, but really anything but really nice gains and uh, there were very substantial gains last year. I don't know the exact percentage off the top of my head, but you found nice returns in each of the market indexes, the three that we're talking about today. All uh, were extremely positive last year, had very, very good years. But the economy as a whole did not have a good year last year, right? But the stock market does front-run the economy. It does try to uh, price in what's going on in the future, right? Not necessarily what's going on today. So as the market was increasing, right, it was... First of all, pricing in the future, pricing in the fact that we were going to come to the other side of the pandemic, right? But it was also uh, pricing in the fact that the companies within these large indexes, uh, these large publicly traded companies, and not all publicly traded companies are huge, uh, but they have to be big enough for a bank to be interested uh, in helping them go public, right? And so these large publicly traded companies, especially within the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones, uh, they were rewarded in the fact that, uh, companies like Amazon and Walmart, uh, they were the go-to for a lot of individuals last year. A lot of individuals, uh, were, you know, stocking up on things that they could buy online and they were doing a lot of stocking up of, uh, the things that they could go buy at Walmart or at their local supermarkets, right? Uh, that's why there was such a, a supply chain shortage of a lot of foods, Uh, over the past year and so uh, you could see a lot of large companies doing very very well and yet the economy was still struggling there was still high unemployment you were still looking at uh, you know a bunch of people that were displaced from their jobs getting furloughed all these different types of things Uh, the the economy was still shut down in many instances in many states uh, and still is not back to full capacity in a lot of states now Uh, but this does not mean that the stock market Uh, is not indicative of anything going on in the economy. It just doesn't mean that you can look at the stock market and go, oh, if the stock market is doing good, that means the economy must be doing good. That is just absolutely not the case. Now, the Dow Jones is typically just called the Dow. So we'll get back to talking about the Dow Jones here. Some of the companies that are included in the Dow Jones uh, are companies like the Walt Disney Company, uh, ExxonMobil, and Microsoft, right? These are very large, very well-known United States companies. Okay. Now, when the index initially launched back in 1896, right, it only included 12 companies. It did not include 30 as it does today. Those companies were primarily in the industrial sector, including the railroads, cotton, gas, sugar, tobacco, and oil, all the really big uh, industries of the day. Okay. It was, in fact, a spinoff of the Dow Transports, making the DJIA, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the second oldest stock market index in the United States. In the early 20th century, the performance of the industrial companies was typically tied to the overall growth rate in the economy. And so uh, what ended up happening is that uh, as people were noticing that the growth rate of these industrial companies was more indicative of what was going on in the overall economy, then that particular index started to be uh, quoted more often. So uh, here came the DJIA to where it was like, okay, yeah, this is how the economy is doing. These companies are what's going on in the economy, and so this is a better index for uh, what is going on. And so we get the Dow Jones Industrial Average being a long-standing. Uh, benchmark that we look at not only for how the economy is doing, but how our investments are doing. And along with the other indexes, uh, the Dow for a long period of time did not have a way that you could invest directly in it. It just was not possible to invest directly into an index. That's why we got talking yesterday uh, about Jack Bogle and his contribution in the creation of the index fund. But uh, every day, the Dow price had to be Uh, calculated. And so it really comes down to uh, the preference of those who create the index as to how uh, the price for something like uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, or the NASDAQ uh, is particularly determined. But the calculation of uh, the Dow Jones Index and the particular number you see right now, we're seeing numbers in uh, the mid 30,000s. Whereas just five years ago, we were seeing 18,000 or so. So the stock market has grown quite a bit in just the last five years but there is what's called the dow divisor okay this is a predetermined constant that is used to determine the effect of a one-point move in any of the approximately 30 stocks that comprise the dow there have been instances when the divisor needed to be changed so that the value of the dow stayed consistent the current divisor can be found in the wall street journal and it is 0.1475 approximately Okay. The Dow is not calculated using a weighted arithmetic average. Okay, It is not calculated by going, okay, let's take uh, this company's stock and weight it by whatever percentage plus this company's stock weighted by whatever percentage. It is not done that way. Okay, It does not take into account the market capitalization of the stocks within the index, meaning uh, a company like Apple with a very large market cap of over $2 trillion uh, and another company that may have Uh, let's say, a $50 billion, which a $50 billion company likely wouldn't make it into the Dow, but this is just uh, for an example, right? Uh, They are not going to be weighted by uh, the market capitalization, the size of those companies in the market, okay? Rather, it reflects the sum of the price of one share of stock for all the components divided by the divisor. So they take one share of each of the company's stocks, Right, and then divide it by the divisor, which tells you why the divisor has to be changed over time because uh, companies leave the index, and then companies come into the index, and they have to adjust the divisor for uh, the specific stock price of the companies that come in or the companies that leave the particular index. So, thus, a one-point move in any of the component stocks will move the index by an identical number of points. Okay, so the Dow Jones price is just the sum of the component stock prices divided by the Dow divisor. And so the Dow has also been criticized uh, in many ways, uh, and it has some limitations. Many critics of the Dow argue that uh, it does not significantly represent the state of the U S economy as there's only 30 large capitalization companies. It's only 30 big companies that it's tracking. They believe that the number of companies is too small and neglects the companies of different sizes. Many critics believe that the S&P 500, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, is a better representation of the United States stock market. Furthermore, critics believe that factoring only the price of a stock into the calculation does not accurately reflect a company as much as considering a company's market cap would. In this manner, a company with a higher stock price but a smaller market cap would have more weight than a company with a smaller stock price but a large market cap. Right? So a company like Amazon is going to have a larger weight in something like the Dow Jones than would uh, an Apple because Amazon's stock price is over 3000 and Apple's stock price uh, is in the hundreds, right? Uh, but as we know and we've talked about before, stock price by itself does not mean anything uh, because Apple is the most valuable company in the world today. So that's the Dow Jones uh, and if you were interested in investing in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, and keeping up with the uh, track record that it has produced, uh, then you can go and buy an ETF that covers the Dow Jones. And one of the most common out there is the IYY. That is the uh, stock symbol for this particular ETF, and it is the iShares Dow Jones US ETF. And as of today, trades around $105 per share. Okay, so you could purchase that index fund, uh, and it will just simply track the Dow. Uh, as we talked about how index funds do in yesterday's episode. Okay, now we move on from the Dow Jones, and we will now talk specifically about the S and P 500. Uh, I talked about the S and P 500 a lot, uh, but we are going to really dig into what it is and how it's calculated here today. So, what is the S and P 500? This is the Standard and Poor's 500 with Standard & Poor's being one of the United States ratings agencies for uh, companies in the stock market, these publicly traded companies. okay, And it is what's known as a market capitalization weighted index. Whereas the Dow Jones is what we call a price weighted index index because uh, it was weighted by the price of each stock whereas the S&P 500 is weighted by the market capitalization of each of the companies that is held within the index okay now this index is of the 500 largest publicly traded companies in the United States. It's not an exact list of the top 500 U.S. companies by market capitalization because there are other criteria that go in uh, to companies being included in the S&P 500 index. Okay, but nonetheless, you will get uh, exposure to most of the largest 500 companies. Uh, but in this being market capitalization weighted, Right. A company like Apple, I was saying a moment ago, may uh, fall short in its weighting in the Dow, but in the S&P 500, Apple has the largest weighting because uh, it has the largest market capitalization of any company in the United States today. Okay, The index is widely regarded as the best gauge of the large cap US equities, meaning the large companies in the United States, it is the best gauge for what they are doing at any given point. The S&P 500 includes uh, a lot of technology firms and a lot of financial businesses that you cannot find in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You got to think with 500 companies, the disparity in size is going to be relatively large uh, compared to something like the Dow, which is only going to be some uber large, uber stable, uber old companies, right? I say uber old, right? I'm not saying uh, that they have to be hundred years old. I'm just saying uh, these aren't going to be Uh, companies that have been started in the last five years, right? It's not likely that that would ever occur. But in the S&P 500, that could absolutely be the case if a company got large enough that quick, okay? Now, to wait the S&P 500 constituents, meaning to uh, determine the weighted average, the S&P 500 uses a market capitalization weighting method, right, and all that they do is they just say, okay, what is the company's market cap over the total of the market caps of all the companies within uh, the index, and that is their particular weighting. Now, the S&P 500 is one of the most widely quoted american index is because it represents a larger swath of the publicly traded companies in the united states it focuses on the u.s market's large cap sector uh, and is also a float weighted index meaning that company market capitalizations are adjusted by the number of shares available for public trading okay and so this differs a bit from Uh, other indexes like the Dow Jones. So when you compare it with the Dow Jones, right, we've done that a little bit already, but it is often the institutional investors preferred index, uh, given its depth and breadth relative to the DJIA. Okay, institutional investors perceive the S&P 500 as more representative of the U.S. equity markets. Furthermore, the S&P 500 uses a market capitalization weighting method, giving a higher percentage to companies with the largest market capitalizations, while the Dow Jones is a price-weighted index that gives companies with higher stock prices a higher weighting. Uh, The market capitalization weighting structure is more common than the price weighting structure uh, and really gives more clout to the companies that have done better over time. Now, I've talked time and time again about investing in an S&P 500 index fund and you can do so via several mutual funds, right? One that uh, I hold myself is the uh, VFIAX, right? That's the stock symbol for the uh, Vanguard 500 index fund and you could uh, invest money in that. But that does have a minimum. The minimum that has to be put in to start an account there is $3,000 currently. But if you don't want to put out the $3,000 and you still want to track the S&P 500, It's easier to do so through etfs and a couple etfs that are very common that track the s p 500 that you could buy uh, are the vanguard 500 index fund etf so it's the exact same uh, fund but it's just in etf form as the mutual fund is Right. And it is three hundred and eighty four dollars and forty four cents as I sit here today. So the ticker symbol here that you could look up to purchase this is VOO. And then uh, also another one that I own uh, that I think is very, very useful is the Spider SPDR S&P 500 ETF Trust. Right. And this is created by State Street Global Advisors and uh, this stock symbol is SPY, and it trades for about $418 a share today. And if you can't fish out all that money all at once, there are a lot of different uh, brokerages that will allow you to buy fractional shares, and so you don't have to put up the entire amount of that first share. And I'm sure there are some S&P 500 ETFs that are a bit cheaper, but these are some of the most commonly used uh, and some of the most widely traded in the United States today. Okay. So we've talked about the Dow, we've talked about the S&P 500. Now let's dig into the NASDAQ. Okay. Now, not only is the NASDAQ an index, the NASDAQ is also its own exchange. Okay. So the NASDAQ is actually an exchange Uh, where a lot of uh, technology-based and smaller companies end up going public. The NASDAQ Composite Index, though, which is what we're talking about here today, is the market capitalization-weighted index. So just like the S&P 500, not like the Dow, uh, this is going to be weighted by the market cap, the size in the market of the particular company. It's a market capitalization weighted index of over 2,500 equities listed on the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. The types of securities in the index include uh, ADRs, which are American Depository Receipts, which are these uh, international companies that end up uh, issuing these ADRs in the United States, and you can invest in them. Companies like Alibaba do it, uh, Tencent, JD, all those different types of companies uh there's common stocks obviously there's reits real estate investment trusts and tracking stocks as well as limited partnership interests the index includes all nasdaq listed stocks that are not derivatives preferred shares funds etfs or debenture securities okay so it includes everything in uh, the nasdaq universe that is on the nasdaq exchange other than uh, those things that i just named there now, the NASDAQ composite is not limited to the companies that have U.S. headquarters, uh, which sets it apart from indexes like the S&P 500 because the S&P 500 uh, only deals in U.S. companies and the Dow Jones only deals in U.S. companies. Okay? It's very common to hear the closing price of the NASDAQ uh, reported on the financial press or part of the evening news because, as I said earlier, this is one of the three largest indexes. Okay? Now, their methodology uh, does differ a little bit from the S&P and the Dow, Okay, but they do use a market capitalization weighted methodology. Uh, the index's value equals the total value of all share weights of each of the constituent securities uh, multiplied by each security's last price. The total is then adjusted by dividing an index divisor, which scales the value to a more appropriate figure for reporting purposes. So it kind of takes into account both the divisor uh, method from the Dow Jones and the market capitalization weighted method. Uh, that the S&P 500 tends to use. Now, in order to be eligible for inclusion in the NASDAQ Composite Index, the securities U.S. listing must be exclusively on the NASDAQ stock market, right? Like I was saying, they they have their own uh, electronic exchange, and so that's what I'm talking about here. Unless the security was uh, duly listed on another U.S. market prior to January 1st, 2004, and was continuously maintained as such a listing, Uh, the type of security must be an ADR, Uh, Common stock, limited partnership, ordinary shares, REIT, uh, shares of beneficial interests or tracking stocks. And security types ineligible for inclusion are closed-end funds, convertible debentures, exchange-traded funds, preferred stocks, rights, warrants, units, and other derivative securities. A security is removed from the composite index if eligibility criteria are no longer met. And so you see that there are some criteria here for the NASDAQ that are a little bit different. It's not just common stocks like the S&P and uh, the Dow are, which differentiates it very clearly because uh, the S&P 500 and the Dow are simply telling us how the stock market itself is doing and specifically the US stock market. But the NASDAQ is not just telling you how the stock market is doing, but how these other types of um, you know, real estate investment trusts and these uh, debentures and these different types of things whose value does not come Uh, in the same way as the value of common shares of companies in the stock market. And not to mention, you're getting a lot of weight from the companies uh, that are not from the United States and have those ADRs that are listed on the NASDAQ as well. Okay. Now, as of March 15, 2020, the the industry weights of the NASDAQ Composite Index's individual securities are as follows. They are 48.39% technology, uh, which I would expect that has probably gone up since... Uh, March of last year, since the technology companies have really boomed in the past year. Uh, consumer services at 19.43%, healthcare at 10.21%, financials at 7.21%, industrials at 6.85%, consumer goods 551 and then utilities, telecom, oil and gas, and basic materials all less than 1% uh, as well. Okay, so you can see this is a very tech heavy and a very consumer driven. Uh, index, a very consumer-driven mindset here, because they're all about uh, the innovation. They're all about the next thing that is going to uh, really drive an economy forward, drive the world forward, and that's what the NASDAQ is trying to be on the cutting edge of, okay? Uh, So we've got the S&P 500, we've got the Dow, we've got the NASDAQ, right? And with the NASDAQ specifically, right, there is no ETF that just says NASDAQ ETF, but one that is most likely to uh, go very close along with the NASDAQ uh, is the QQQ. That is the uh, that is the ticker symbol that you can look up, QQQ. And this is the Invesco QQQ Trust Series 1 is what it's called. It trades for about $336 as of right now. Uh, and this is just a really good track of the NASDAQ and the companies within Uh, the NASDAQ, especially the largest 100, which they call the NASDAQ 100 uh, companies within the NASDAQ index, okay? Uh, So this is really going to be representative of the companies within that index, and uh, it's not an actively traded thing where you're going to have to deal with uh, these uh, active managers who are trying to make money for themselves. This is still uh, index-based and will allow you to make the returns of the index, okay? So what I hope from today that you've gotten uh, is that these indexes are different. Okay. Just because you see these numbers doesn't mean uh, that all these things are the same. There is some overlap within them. Okay. There are companies that overlap. There are sectors that overlap. There are uh, methodologies that overlap, but there are a lot of differences as you heard in today's episode. Okay. Now, not only are there differences. Uh, investing in them is different, too, because if you want to invest in specifically technology companies, then the NASDAQ is probably more your style. Now, the NASDAQ historically uh, has more in the way of volatility than does the S&P 500 or the Dow. Uh, The S&P has more volatility than the Dow, but not as much as the NASDAQ. And then the Dow naturally having the least volatility of them all. And it's not particularly confusing as to why, because uh, the Dow is just 30 really large stable companies. The S and P 500 is 500 large companies. And then the NASDAQ is companies of all different types of sizes, uh, very innovative companies from all around the world. And that uh, is going to be naturally more volatile than the other two types of indexes. But what I hope you can leave today with is understanding exactly what these indexes are and exactly how you can go about investing in them because understanding them is one thing, right? Knowledge is the beginning, but if you don't actually go and act based on this knowledge, then, uh, then it was all a waste, right? Uh, I think, uh, in my opinion, the S&P 500 is one of those things that uh, purchasing it is just an invaluable thing. Going and buying an S&P 500 index and pouring money into it over the long term is absolutely great. You don't have to deal with as much of the vicissitudes and volatility that comes along with uh, the NASDAQ uh, you really know what you're owning. You're owning America. As Warren Buffett likes to say, you can own America via the S&P 500. And then you'll get higher returns than the Dow, naturally, because there will be a little more risk inherent to the S&P 500 than there is the Dow Jones. Okay, But none of them are a bad choice. None of them are a bad idea. Uh, and if you want a little more stability, the Dow ETF is perfectly fine. Or if you want uh, a little more of a wild ride, the the NASDAQ is perfectly fine as well. But uh, it's just a matter of actually understanding what these are, understanding how to compare your funds and your companies to uh, these indexes, and then being able to go out and buy index funds that track these indexes that will allow you to make really good returns over time. Like I said, you cannot miss with buying any of these types of index funds, uh, but it's just up to you as to what type you can go out and buy. And there's others out there that track these same indexes that I did not name today. And you can go and do your research and see what those are. Uh, But hopefully this helps you and hopefully this really motivates you to understand and go out and invest and not just be scared and not just be worried uh, about what this big market is and exactly what these things are. It's not that tricky if you just get the knowledge. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify Podcasts, then be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at mno with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that's specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work With Dylan tab, and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So tune in tomorrow as I talk about the dark side of index funds. I've really talked index funds up uh, the past couple days and will continue to do so because I do believe in them, right? But there are some drawbacks, some uh, disadvantages to index funds that I think we should talk about and really take into account when we go into our investing journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.